Good morning, Tim. How are you doing? I'm good, and I'm happy to hear that you're back home. And I know that this is a difficult thing to do, but just because people don't know, not everyone will know. Uh, the story that you shared with that oversight committee yesterday, specifically the story of your son, what happened? Well, when I was in um, Winder, when I used to live in Barrow County, um, let me get this out because, like I said, um, that was only the third time in my life that I actually told a wholly complete story. Well, he was murdered, and he was shot point blank in the head. Now, you have to understand, Winder is a very small town. Um, Hartwell, Georgia is a very small town. And so he was getting into trouble in Hartwell. So, you know, me and his father decided he could come stay with us instead of, like, off and on, come stay with us permanently. Well, he had this grandiose idea that he was going to be a junior thug, and that's something that I did, did not want any of my children to feel like they was a junior thug or starting trouble. So what's the next best thing when you want to save your children? You try to get them away from the situation that they're in. So me and his father had made the decision just to send him to Statesville, North Carolina, because he was getting a little bit out of hand from me. And with four other kids at that time, and he was the youngest one, um, the youngest child, you know, I was like, it's best that you go ahead and move with your aunts and uncles up. It sounded like uh, First Prince of Bel-Air, but it, it wasn't. Mm. So, like I said, he was up there changing his uh, life around. He was finally getting ready to have his very first uh, child. And then all of a sudden, one night, um, we got a phone call that he was murdered and he was shot point blank in the head. And what really hits me, Tim, is because about five months earlier, he called me on the phone and he said, Mama Cresha, I just want to tell you I love you and I'm not mad. And I said, I, I said, I please don't be mad at me. I said, because I did not want you to die and I did not want you to live that thuggish life and I want what's really best for you. And he said, you was hard on me because you love me. But I wanted to tell you that I'm doing so good. I'm opening up for T.I. I'm opening up for Deborah Cox, which is a rapper and also a really big R&B singer. He was on the charts for a while, but he could not get out of that lifestyle. Mm. So instead of, oh, my goodness, he got into a fight a Saturday morning, a Saturday night, and it was a big gang fight. And I have, I, I feel a certain way about gangs. I can't stand them. Sure. So instead of uh, allowing this boy to get beat down because it's called being jumped in, he stopped the fight. And that's something that you do not do. And I didn't know any of this, Tim, until after the fact, and it came out during court. And it said that he saved the little boy's life that night. Mm. So the next following Saturday, there was going to be a house party. And there was a big house party up in Statesville, North Carolina, and he was there. So when the the guy that shot him came to the house party. He walked straight up to him and said, come outside. We're going to finish this right now. And everybody keeps telling me that man said, no, I'm not going anywhere. And he immediately pulled out a gun and shot him in the back of the head, looked around, told anybody open up their mouth, they'll get the same and went on the run. And 
I'm so sorry. It's too no, early I understand. In the morning. No, I, I believe cry. me, I understand. Uh, this is the story that you shared, uh, at least in part, with that House Oversight Committee yesterday. Now, we understand the, the genesis of the hearings, Lucretia Hughes. Uh, what I'm curious about, uh, we watched the school shooting and the coverage in the aftermath, and so much of the conversation tilted in a certain direction as relates to guns and gun laws. You found yourself in front of that committee yesterday, uh, something of a minority witness in that you hold a differing view. Uh, uh, it, despite the tragedy you just recounted, you have a very different view from most of the folks who were speaking there yesterday about the direction we should take with our gun laws. Because it's not the guns. That's what I want people to understand. You can blame me and every 2A person out there. We don't pull the trigger. And I pray to God that I never do. So me trying to jump on um, any kind of bandwagon and trying to blame an inanimate object instead of blaming the person that actually pulled the trigger or the evilness within that person, that is what we need to focus on. The mental health issues that are going on around here. But sometimes, Tim, you can't keep calling everything mental health issues when some people were just is just inherent evil. Some people are just going to kill and maim and murder no matter what you do. And people need to realize this. Leaving us out here in the real world while they're in behind their gated communities or have armed security or have armed guards around them, it's going to leave us out. And it's going to leave us without our own protection. So I'm so tired of everyone blaming a gun if you knew how to properly handle one, if you knew how to keep one safe. And like I said, keep, uh, keep it put up. From everyone, but I don't feel like continuously blaming an inanimate object, which is what the government keeps doing, because there's an underlying issue with that, and that is to disarm the American citizens. But our founding fathers gave us the Bill of Rights for a reason. They gave us our amendment and constitution for a reason, and that is what makes us whole. And one thing that I always wanted to know, why am I getting chastised about my 9 millimeter or, you know, my AR-18? It does not matter when they are leaving weapons of war all over the place or walking them across the border with fast and furious while leaving us out. And if you look at the southern border and you look at the lawlessness and you look at what the politicians are doing, which is letting the inmates run the asylum, who is going to protect us, Tim? Did they ever think that far away? Far out. Lucretia Hughes with us. Uh, how did you come to testify? How did you come to be uh, one of the witnesses at this committee hearing yesterday? Well, I'm a part of the D.C. project uh, for women's rights. And of course, you know, I'm on the outreach committee for the NRA. So um, I got a phone call uh, out of the blue Wednesday, uh, Tuesday morning. They said, well, do you mind if we ask you a couple of questions? A guy named Lamar and David. And I guess they run uh, up there the Republican side. Mm-hmm. They say we need one, we need a Republican. And <laughs> actually, it was the Democrats that finally said yes on me. Hmm. So um, once I did that, I told them my story. They said, can you get up here immediately? We need for you to get in front of Congress. And we need someone that has a very powerful story. Do you mind sharing your, your, your testimony? And I said, no, I don't. And then the next thing I know, I, I was on a plane and headed to Washington. Yeah, I, I saw, I saw I you knew. on social media making this, telling that part of the story. I mean, it's like, I, yeah, an hour from now, I've got to be at the airport because I'm flying up to D.C. to testify tomorrow. It's like something you found out about five minutes ago. It's amazing you were able to pull it together that quickly. What do you think came out of that? Do you feel like, now everybody's dug in, both sides dug in their positions, and everybody's entrenched. Did you 
feel like in, in talking to some of those Democrats specifically, did you think you made a dent uh, or did you just get blank stares? I got blank stares, but I could say this from the squad members, and I call them the squad because we know what the squad is on the Democratic side. AOC, uh, Mfumi was up there. There was a lot of Democrats that we see on national television sure. that you do want to scream at the, the television. And I made sure yesterday when you saw my head and my eyes kept sweeping that room, not only was I zero lasering in on AOC. And not only was I um, looking at Tel Aviv or whatever her name is, but I wanted them to look at me because I am uh, a walking testimony of everything they lie about. And I wanted to make sure, and I could care less if they had blank stares. I could care less if they wasn't listening. But the people that was listening, the regular American citizens out there that was listening, I know they felt me. I know they was listening to everything I have to say. And I know a whole bunch, and I'll say 90% of the comments that I'm getting so far agrees with what I have to say. So it's to me, it will never, not when they already have their mind made up to take our civil liberties away. There's nothing we can do, but we can band together, red, yellow, black, and white, gay, and straight. And we can stand up for our rights. We can stand up for our state and our country. So who cares about 535 people when there's 330 million American citizens that voices are louder than theirs? Uh, quickly, uh, Lucretia Hughes, don't get a chance. you mentioned the D.C. project. You're involved in that. Uh, what is that and where can folks find out more about it? It is dcproject.info. It is. It was at one point when I first got involved, two women from every state nonpartisan a group of women who wanted to teach and um, teach women how to properly handle a gun, how to protect themselves. And uh, we lobby our legislators every year before COVID shut everything down about why we want the Second Amendment, why the Second Amendment is a, a means of protection and our rights and how we can train women and men to um, properly um, shoot a gun how to properly protect themselves, and then we also teach them their rights. It has just gotten bigger and bigger because there are so many more women now want to learn how to properly protect themselves and stand up for themselves. I think that you see the lawlessness. You see the murder and the mayhem in the streets, and now you're seeing people from every walk of life handle a gun for the very first time. It's intimidating at first, but once you get comfortable you understand the power and the responsibility you have in your hands. So we teach women how to properly um, protect themselves. And education and not legislation is what really will save lives. So I always get sent to the blue state. I always have to advocate <laughs> for Democrats. And, you know, I'm going up there and I'm going to these blue states and we're trying to talk to their legislators in these blue states. And I don't care if they're not listening to me at all, but it gives me a chance to get up there and actually have a voice in what goes on. Right, so uh, Congressman Heiss told me yesterday that, Lucretia, it was the Democrats that picked you. It was, it, we, we gave them a list of people, and he said, I don't think they know who you are. He looked at me and he prayed over me because, you know, he is a minister. Sure. He said, just do what you have to do. Tell the truth. And just be yourself. And he wrapped me in his arms yesterday. And he said, I'm so proud of you for standing up after everything you've been through. You keep fighting for our communities and you keep fighting for our state. 
and you keep pressing on. And that's why I respect you so much, Tim, because I have looked up to you for so long and so many years just listening to your voice. It's soothing and calming. Your mind, your education, your your vast knowledge besides football and everything <laughs> else. You are someone. All right. That a whole bunch of people look up to right. as well, a guiding light in a world of darkness. Now, see, you're going to get me emotional now, and that's not good. Uh, Lucretia Hughes, dcproject.info is the website. Thank you, my friend. Best of luck moving forward. Thank you so much.